Really excited for this episode. These are two people that have a true passion for both endurance, but then also raising money and helping people globally with clean drinking water. Also, I will have a Leadman update exclusively on YouTube here shortly. So definitely subscribe, check that out. Three, two, one. My name is Katie and I'm an endurance athlete. I do uh, running, biking, swimming, and rowing all to raise money for clean water projects. And one of the bigger endurance challenges was becoming the youngest person ever to row the Atlantic Ocean solo. And I'm Charlie Engel, and I'm a runner and a writer, and I uh, spent my 20s uh, trying to become a top-ranked uh, ultra-distance drug addict, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Train for Ultra podcast. We've got Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? decided if I could, you know, finish a 50-miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Welcome to episode 169 of the Train for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra and just really excited. Charlie Ingalls on. He's basically a, a legend in the sport. If you haven't checked out his book, it's it's really unbelievable. It's called Running Man. He's the nicest guy in the world. He mentioned some personal things during this episode. My heart goes out to him for, for those items. And then um, Katie Spots. She's the author of Just Keep Rowing. She's just a phenomenal athlete, but then also, like Charlie, has this passion for raising money and awareness for clean drinking water. So both these guys together, I they've never been on an episode, and my brain connected these two and just wanted to have a discussion on endurance and clean drinking water. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And big thank you to you Patreon supporters. Excited to put your name right here. And just, I couldn't do the show without you. And then Exoskin, if you haven't tried them out, just really solid gear. They make socks, toe socks, underwear now, compression bottoms, shirts, hats, sleeves, you name it. And it's all really high tech really high quality and I use it in my own races because I truly believe in the product. So if you want to try it out, feel free to use the promo code T the number four U 20 for 20% off. Now it might change over time. It'll hopefully be the best code available for you. And I'll put that code right on the screen there for you. But big thank you to Exoskin. Big thank you to you Patreon supporters and just hopefully you enjoy this episode. Guys, I'm super excited to have Katie Spots on and Charlie Angle. They need no no introduction. Um, you've probably heard Katie's TED Talk or you know seen her in a magazine. She has a book out. Charlie, legendary runner, um, has overcome more than probably any of us can imagine. And his book's you know one of my absolute favorites. It's still with me. Uh, you know, everywhere I go, it's it's in my bookshelf. Thank you guys for joining me on the Training for Ultra podcast. Really excited to speak with you guys. Oh, thank you so much for having me, having us. Glad, glad yeah. to be here, buddy. I'm excited. I mean, the listener might not know Katie or might not know Charlie, but the commonality between these two endurance athletes is their absolute passion for clean drinking water. So... Uh, my brain connected these two, and I wanted to just have a conversation about endurance sports, but then also really dive into some of the background as to why you guys are so passionate about this. So, Katie, are you, and, and Katie does have an upcoming event here uh, in a few days, um, 
are you focused mainly on running at this point? Or are you still mixing up, uh, you know, the sports that you're engaging in? So I just keep doing this thing where I'm like, well, just one more running adventure, just one more running adventure. And of course there's, there's all sorts of ways to explore our bodies, explore our world. And, um, I think, you know, I consider myself an accidental, uh, athlete. Like I was trying to avoid sports as long as I possibly could. And, um, it was just through a mandatory gym class that I kind of stumbled into running. So running is where my journey in endurance began. And so it, it is kind of like the, the home place of, of just movement. And it's so much like more accessible and easy to do. You don't need a pool. You don't need a bike. You don't need to really worry about the weather as much as other sports. So I am focused on running this year, but I, I am planning on sprinkling in more cycling and maybe a little bit of rollerblading. But so, yes, the I, I longest like longest triathlon ever. <laughs> uh, just row across an ocean, run across a country. Um, I mean, it's all there. Why not? <laughs> it is. Exactly. I mean, so Katie rode across an ocean. Charlie ran across a desert. Charlie, how, how's, um, the COVID times been for you? Have you been able to, um, get out for any races? Are you, are you still cooped up? I don't even know where in in the world you are actually right now. Yeah, Rob. So I'm in, I'm in Durham, North Carolina and, and, uh, it's COVID's been, you know, it has been particularly hard on, on myself and on, on my wife. We, you know, I make my living primarily from from speaking and some other creative things. I'm happy to say, and uh, obviously, for all speakers, pretty much last year became a, a desert in itself. And most of my income went away last year. And you know, I had to find new ways to both speak, but also keep myself moderately sane. And I, you know, it's funny, I'm going to dive into a, a heavily personal thing real quickly, because I think it, it really uh, informs everything for me right at this moment. And my, my wife is battling uh, lymphoma and another very serious uh, autoimmune disease. And, you know, and it, it meant that I have, I just withdrew from Badwater. I just canceled a, a month long run across Australia later this summer. I just, you know, I just kind of pulled out of <laughs> all of those things. And, and while that may sound, I don't know how it sounds to people, but part of my point is at my age, I mean, I'm 58 uh, and I have been at this for a really long time. And What's inter- what I find interesting about it is ultras have prepared me for times like this. You know, not just ultra races, but events that I've planned, my my 10 years of, of pretty gnarly drug addiction in my 20s, uh, some time I spent in prison. Like all of these things in life have made me a person who's actually reliable now. It's actually a little shocking. And and it and it doesn't even take two seconds for me to make the right decision and to and to know that the the battle and the ultra I need to be working on in this moment is the one that's right in front of me and inside my house. So I appreciate you asking, and you know I'm still excited every day about about what the future holds and that future of next week and next year. Well, we'll be thinking about you guys for sure. I'm really sorry to hear that. I'm glad to hear your priorities are in order. Um, and it's really fascinating that ultra running's prepared you for for this. And I mean, we we all know you can suffer, but uh, you know, it's really interesting to hear that you're like you know on time and and have everything in order um, to take care of what's most important here. Um, well, you know, I, I want to say this one quick thing. It, it's like. <laughs> People ask why I keep running, you know, I mean, I've run, you know, again, been doing this for a long time. And, and the, the main reason it's taken me a long time to get to this place, but the main reason I do this still is, is to get to that point where I'm absolutely certain I can't go any farther. And then 
find a way to go farther. And I'm sure Katie relates 100% to that. So do you, Rob. And it's and this is no different. So experience now tells me on the days that are really hard in this house where I'm watching another person that I love suffer. It's not me doing it. And I'm powerless to change their circumstance other than to support and comfort. And like, I am so grateful for all the lessons I've learned on the trails and in boats and on bikes in my life. So Charlie, was it running the Sahara where at some point in the movie, there is a small child in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the desert. I hope I'm not mixing this up with a different movie. No, you're right. Because it it was life-changing for me, seeing that child that had to be left at home, quote-unquote, basically in the middle of the desert while they're, I think the parents or the mom went looking for water miles away. I mean, that that scene changed my life. Um, Am I thinking of the correct movie? No, you got it right. I still have the, <laughs> I took a, I, I had my interpreter ask the, the kid if it was okay. And I don't know that he actually gave permission to be honest, but I took a Polaroid of that little boy who was seven years old, you know, and today that was 10 years ago and today he's 17, 18 years old. And, and he was just in the desert alone while his parents were three days walk away to get water. And the crazy thing is, of course, he, that was normal for him. Like he was way more afraid of us. We were like Martians that just happened to walk into his life. And like, he'd never seen anybody like us. So I think he was more terrified of us than being in the desert alone. But his circumstance impacted me to such a degree that, you know, I spent the next 10 or 12 years since then, you know, really with a lot of focus on clean water. That scene haunts me. I mean, Katie, what, what got you interested in that cause? I know you've you've seen probably more water than anyone on the planet, but it has a bunch of salt in it. Um, like, what what was the catalyst for you? So I was studying in Australia, and I was living in Melbourne, and they were experiencing a ten year drought. So. When And I'm born and raised on the Great Lakes, so I knew water wealth, I knew water parks, I knew golf courses, that sprinkler system went on, and, you know, I, I just knew that you could go anywhere and get water for free at, you know, at a fast food place. Water was abundant, water never ran out. And so when I was in Australia, they were having this drought that was basically affecting everything. It was affecting whether they could water their lawn, whether they could wash their car. And I just, after seeing it and headline after headline and the, the panic and fear because of, of that limited resource, it opened my eyes to, to see, okay, so this isn't just something that we can, that, that should be taken for granted. And then in one of my classes, my professor mentioned that the wars of the future will be um, because because of water. And in some countries, there's already war over water. And for me, that was equivalent to saying people are going to, to war over air, you know, like when you're a kid and someone's fighting in, in your space and you're like, get out of my air. Like, it's just it makes no sense to have something as basic as water Um and and the good thing is that I've never had anyone complain and say otherwise. Like there's there's always opinions, but I think everyone can agree that everyone should have clean water. And um, I think what's really uplifting is that there's a lot of problems we don't know the solution for. We could spend lots of money for research and and you know there's so many worthy causes out there for sure. But with water. It's just encouraging knowing that we have solutions, they do work, and it's really a matter of funding. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, environments change and there's politics and there's there's there it there's a lot of factors at play, but we do have technology, we do have resources to to be able to do that. And I mean, when you think of all the things that we are so capable of doing, 
you got to believe that our it's our world is capable of getting everyone clean water. Um, I mean, yeah, just when you think of all of the technological advances and all of the developments in the last hundred years, I think water is is um, it's possible. So, so, do you think more people have a cell phone? Than clean drinking water. Oh, I wish I knew that statistic because I love, like, I love that kind of thing. I wouldn't it's be probably surprised. pretty close, right? Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it's close. I think I think the answer is yes. I think there's way more people that have cell phones than you know in India and in Africa, in particular, the two places most in need. Uh, you know, almost everybody has a cell phone, no matter your situation, and. Uh, you know, a couple of billion people really don't have access to good, clean, reliable drinking water. I mean, I I swear I go outside. I don't just sit at home and watch movies. But I saw a doc where they were volunteering. I think it was in South Africa and they were oh. removing tumors. And then they went through like wire, all these. I mean, it was like full, full blown, like 70 percent of the people in the community had large tumors um, and they pinned it down to like, they're just all drinking water that was totally contaminated. And I mean, it's amazing that the body can even withstand that much. Uh, but I mean, is that, is that a realistic depiction of, of reality? Because I haven't seen on the ground what you two have seen. Go ahead, Katie. I'll let you go first on that one. I mean, so... I think, so I, I've been, I helped build some projects in Kenya, and then I visited some projects in South Africa, um, and then India as well. Um, it's, to me, as, as the outsider looking in, it it's almost like um, they sometimes they don't even know why people are, are dying. And, um, like it's kind of like an invisible issue. Like they don't, there's just not even the education or awareness that it is, that it is the water. And so, um, or, you know, most water projects now will also have, the, like it's called the wash. So it's water and sanitation and hygiene education. So they, it's basically like if you, if you just solve the, the, the water by, by giving that, that's only one piece of the puzzle. So I, I, I haven't done as much to be able to say with, you know, with conviction of, of what it is and what it isn't, but, um, Yeah. Charlie, what do you think? Yeah, and I mean, that's uh, that's a great answer, Katie. I mean, it is hard to pin down, but I also say, I mean, look at look at us, you know, and I'm, I'm pointing at the three of us and most people listening to this, I assume, would consider themselves privileged that water is never an issue. And uh, like literally, unless you go for a run and you happen to run out, like that's that's as that's as much of a crisis as most of us run into. So it's, it's, yes, it's about dirty water. It's about lack of access. But if you think about like in the health and wellness um, business, if you will, in the U.S. And, and Europe and Australia, you know, we're, we're preached to to hydrate and the importance of how that keeps the rest of our body and our brain functional. And just, I believe in that so wholeheartedly. I, I preach sleep and hydration above training, in fact, because it's, those are the things that allow the training to actually sink in. Well, a huge portion of the world, uh, of course, is is faced with not just water scarcity and and water that uh, is unavailable and and is contaminated, but you know they don't even ever get the choice to like be healthy by drinking you know enough water and clean water. I, I go back to. So, Katie, I think you got interested in water in a, in, a, in a much different way than I did, and that probably speaks to our ages also. But I 
So I visited the Sahara on a scouting trip about a year before I ran across it. And I went into this town called Agadez in Niger, like in the center of Niger. And, uh, you know, it was a town of about 25,000 people, but they had massive water problems. And people were starting to pour in from all around the desert, like native Tuareg people who are nomadic and have no interest in living in even a 25,000 person town. They're nomads. And yet they had no choice. And I decided then that, okay, this run should be about, you know, personal growth for me, but I should attach something about water. But I, to be honest, I wasn't particularly intentional. (laughs) I sort of just said, water's what they need. I'm going to talk about water and kind of focus on it as we cross and see what happens. And, you know, and uh, I ended up raising about six million dollars, you know, during and after the run. And then that morphed, thanks very much to Matt Damon, you know, into water.org, which today is the world's largest clean water nonprofit, you know, with about one point five billion in in working assets. And I I mention all that only because I encourage people out there to not get overly hung up on, you know, a cause or how much money you raise during something, you know, and I wonder, Katie, if you've experienced the same thing, that if you, if you just put your intention out there and you have a good heart around what you're trying to do, the right people get attracted to what you believe in. And before you know it, it's, it's, it's grown like far beyond what you could imagine. Oh yeah. I mean, there was a, thousand dollar donor just today and i i and and nice and so it's like it's incredible to see that um i i know i got off track on the answer there that you were asking rob (laughs) the question no i i love it i i kind of want to hear more about what katie's raising money for and i've i've been there too. too it's it's someone's brother that you've never met who pitches in three grand like a thousand dollars here and there from an uncle that you've never heard of like amazing people come out of the woodwork i agree charlie like it's phenomenal um katie what what project are you working on right now so um starting next monday it's doing 11 ultras in 11 days by running across the state of ohio to raise funds for 11 uh, water projects in Uganda. So it's in partnership with a nonprofit called H2O for Life. And so I start on June 21st in Cincinnati, and then it is, yeah, 11 days until I reach Cleveland. So I, I'm a sick person and have also actually looked at running across Ohio and like the logistics <laughs> So this call is actually Charlie and I like here to here to support you. Um, no, uh, how how much of this is on road? How much of it's on trail? Because I looked at the Buckeye Trail, all the blue blazes that go I, almost across the entire state, and I was like, yeah, that's doable. And then one thing led to another, and obviously I didn't do it, but. Um, uh- well, so it's all on the Ohio to Erie Trail. Okay. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's all trails, but it is a connection of pavement and and, you know, and trail, but I don't actually know um but I I know that a lot of people who do ultras generally do them on trail. Like I feel like trails are more popular than roads and I'm a road ultra runner. So uh, yeah. So I don't actually know. I will find out. Um, and I know that my body, even if it was all road is it, it can tolerate that, but I'm sure at least a third of it would be trail. You, you run past, 26.2 we don't discriminate i mean you, you could you could run on water no um we, you do you do know the irony of finishing in cleveland right with the burning river and everything well, that's, that's kind of crazy right 
yeah, it is crazy, but it's different now. I, that's where I'm, I'm from. Like I'm from Cleveland originally. So yes, I've heard it all the mistake on the lake, but it's, it's very different. I just I just have to interject something here, uh, Katie, because it's it's pretty important. I did Ram years ago, and uh, it went right through the heart of Ohio, and it was um, not the first time in my life, but certainly the first time on uh, during a race that I actually got hit in the head with a, a beer bottle from behind. Um, oh I'm just sort of say I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like give Ohio a hard time, but. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm being funny. It did. It did happen. But it was That's what awful. I actually found was as you cross the country, you know, the West, of course, once you leave California is far less populated. So you're you're riding or running whatever you're doing across these vast open spaces. And about the time you hit Ohio, the the population starts to really uh, build and you find that there's never a time that you're not you know, sort of surrounded by cars and stuff. So I'm, I'm great, grateful that you're going to be running uh, on trails. And I can tell just from all you've already done and, and the way you talk that like, you're just going to crush this thing. And, and you're, I, I don't know. I, I just know that, you know, that's not fun until you actually reach a point where you desperately want to quit. And then it, then it actually becomes something memorable. Yes. That's so true. It's never I, I, memorable when it's going well, ever. No. Yeah. I mean, I do remember the first times those moments happened where it it was like, oh, man, I really want to quit. I Does this mean I should quit? Like, and that, then I start, that's, you know, the shift was, oh, that that's not, the reason you feel like giving up is because it is hard, not because you're, you know what I mean? Like just taking yeah. that less personally and accepting that as part of the process of doing hard things that they will feel hard at times. And I don't know. I think what's really cool about ultras is that you can feel miserable and then an hour later you could feel on fire. And like it's, you know, nothing lasts forever, but just knowing yeah. that you can go from that extreme high and low and Sometimes it seems without reason, but it's, um, it's, it's real. It's definitely real. And I don't know. I I, I don't even like the first hour of running compared to the third or the fourth when it's so meditative, when you're in the zone, when, when you're testing the limit and you know, you don't test, I, I mean, you could go try to go fast, but I've always really loved that idea of going further. How, I'm I'm sorry. I don't know how old you are, Katie. Uh, 34. Okay, 34. Okay, 34. Let's see. I had barely stopped smoking crack at that point. So we're where you were. You're in such a, an amazing place, uh, and I'm so I'm almost um, I'm borderline between jealousy and just uh, awe because of you know, the things that you're taking on. And I, you know, I spend a lot of time with sober people or people who want to be sober. And I tell them all the time that, you know, those low places, whether it is in, you know, running or biking or in a person's journey through being sober, those low places uh, will pass by if you just let them. And that, like, ultras have taught me that 90, 99.5% of the time, maybe 100% of the time, when I feel like that in an event or a race, it's it's a signal that I need to uh, take action. I need to eat. I need to drink. I need to maybe dial it back a notch. Don't sit in a chair, but keep walking. And, you know, the same is true with life. You know, on those days for a sober person that they you know, they, they want to drink or they, or even a person on a diet who's like, screw it. I'm going to eat this entire chocolate cake. You know, it's a, it's about getting past that moment and realizing through experience. And that, that's why I keep doing events. Cause the more I do them, the more I'm always prepared for the hard times that come and the moments when I don't want to keep going. And like, it's, it, what I'm jealous of mostly of what you're getting ready to do is that I'm, I'm, I'm guessing 
you're excited. There's also a little bit of trepidation. There's like everything. And that is the, that is the joy. That's the thing that people that don't do this don't understand that they're missing out on is that the joy of the unknown and how exciting that is. Well, why be jealous when you, you're, (laughs) you are doing it all. I hear you. No, I am. I am. I'm, I'm, you know, my jealousy, if anything, is just that I'm, it is one of those things where I don't, I don't, I never look back and regret at all, but I, I, I wish sometimes that, not that I'd so much taken different paths uh, with my ultra running and just ultra career, but, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes I, I am a personality and a brain that has worked very hard in the last 10 years to be present today. And I sound very woo-woo when I'm saying this, but, you know, I, in fact, I, it's not even announced yet, but I'm actually working with and for the show, Deepak Chopra Foundation these days as their addiction recovery specialist. And there's a lot of, I've, I've sort of retooled the way that I approach things because the, the old me was even in the middle of an event, I had, I was prone to be looking ahead towards the next thing I was going to do. Like I just, I couldn't settle down and just be there in the thing I was doing. And so that's what I'm, I'm excited. You, you strike me as a person that is pretty darn, you know, present and aware of, you know, the cool things that you're actually doing right now. I mean, I started on the bench. Like I was the bench warmer in middle school. So anything is like bonus points. (laughs) Like this wasn't supposed to happen kind of thing. And, um, so yeah, I, I definitely know that. I mean, part of my story is just like letting people know that I'm not not, uh, physically, you know, anything different. Like my doctor would never be saying, you know, everything's normal. My, yeah, like there's no, you're not bionic. (laughs) I am not, but, but I am aware that it is a gift to even have the desire to have the drive and the perseverance. And so, you know, I just hope that I'm stewarding it in a way that, can serve others and um yeah i one question i do have just because i i don't know i don't always talk to ultra people um and this is something that i do ask because you know a huge part of the message is is that we can share doing these things is you can do more and more than you think and so my question for both of you is have you figured out what to how to define when to stop because the truth is you know 21 ultra runners just died and the truth is people we are risking and i call it i even say it's like gambling with your body sometimes and um so yeah i'm i i have i've been defining that more and more and a lot of it's just when it stops becoming fun and um and never pushing so hard that you're permanently doing anything that would um, impede for future adventures. But have you guys been able to define? I mean, for me, and yes, I've run across the Sahara in the U.S. and I've always been an elite runner myself and I'm extremely sarcastic. Um, (laughs) No, but in all honesty, my conclusion, and I've only done a few 200 mile races uh, is that my only limitation is time and resources. So give me enough time, give me enough resources, and I can kind of just keep going. You know, like, I think, Katie, you've inspired me that I could even get across an ocean if I need to. And, I mean, Charlie's yeah. shown you can run across a country pretty easily. <laughs> um, but it, it, that's my opinion, is basically it's just a matter of time and resources and you can pretty much do anything with endurance. Yeah. I think it's a great question, Katie. And I, I I think also what you're, you know, I think what you're getting at too is this, like, should we, just because we can, should we? And at what point, you know, is, is like, 
you know, enough, enough. And I, I do think that that's a really personal, you know, decision. I'm, I'm happy to say that I am mostly the only reason I would ever even post anything on social media anymore about it is because I do have sponsors and thank you or game. See how I plugged them right there. Um, <laughs> and you know, and so there's, there's people out there and companies who support me and have been awesome partners through the years. But if it weren't for that, and I just had a giant pile of money, should I just be out there doing stuff? <laughs> and I wouldn't bother to like tell any, I mean, I, I would tell people if it came up, but like, I'm well past the point where, you know, I'm worried about comparisons and what others are doing. You referenced, and for those listeners who don't know, although I'm guessing most listeners to this podcast do know, the 21 ultra runners who perished in China in the recent ultra. Um, you know, that was a horrible tragedy. And, yeah. you know, I call complete BS on, you know, you know, people love to say, well, they died doing what they loved. You know, I can assure you there was nothing uh, heroic or interesting about what they went through. And I feel terrible. And I've, I've been in similar positions, um, but never obviously to that degree. And it, it did remind me of the mentality of ultra runners and that you, there is this keep going under all circumstances thing. And it's just like Everest, right? A person climbs Everest and, they know they're if they don't reach the summit by noon, they're supposed to turn around and go back. And yet there's this thing in them that says keep going. And and sometimes that doesn't, you know, it doesn't work out. But I I, I also want to tell and it's a super brief story, but years ago I was speaking at Boston at the marathon and I I, I did a screening of my film and and a guy actually asked me, he raises his hand and like, he was not a runner. He was a parent of a runner. He raises his hand. He's like going, Hey, I saw, you know, Chicago marathon last year, like three people died, you know, in, in the race had heart attacks or whatever in the race. And, you know, do you think running is dangerous, like bad for you? And he sat down and I, I respectfully took his question and said, you know, absolutely. You know, there's some risk, you know, to what we all choose to do but hey did you see that other article on the next page that said you know 6838 people died sitting their ass on the sofa with a remote control in their hand over the weekend yeah you know watching television like that's dangerous <laughs> so yeah. i mean i think the danger of course that we all are willing to put ourselves into and for outsiders they might think we're foolhardy I can only imagine, Katie, how many people told you you were out of your mind to go, you know, at any age, you know, across the Atlantic. I heard the same stuff with the Sahara. And it's not about like snubbing your nose or like, you know, puffing out your chest at those people. It's just they don't understand. Not everyone can understand the the drive and desire that makes it worth the risk for me personally and as a growth mechanism. These things have made me a continuous seeker in my life, and I, I have no plans to stop until I simply cannot do it anymore. So yeah. <clears throat> I'll, I'll ask both of you this. Uh, I mean, Katie, hopefully you could start us off here, but did you start off like for personal exploration, and then you kind of find the answer eventually? You, you I mean, at least... From my own experience, you hit that point where you're like, well, like now I kind of get this. Uh, I'm not, I'm comfortable with who I am. Like I've explored my limits. I understand this now. Now it's about inspiring other people and making a difference in the world through endurance sports as opposed to like continued self-discovery. It sounds like Charlie might have like still like... Uh, the ability to explore things personally, but I've kind of become, I don't know. I, I answered the questions I had as weird as that sounds. So wait, so I'm, I, I'm not sure I followed that. You said that 
can you rephrase that? Again? Yeah, I absolutely. What are you still looking for? I think that is like, that are, are you paraphrase? still running for yourself? Like uh, to, for self exploration or have you found what you were looking for through endurance sports? And now, um, do you utilize endurance sports for other purposes? So my journey by the time I was 25 or 26 and I, I came into ultras young, right? Like I, uh, I was kind of doing ultra distances basically at 19. So a teenager and, you know, uh, that it was Iron Man after, after Iron Man and, um, race across America and the row. And by the time I was 25, I was so burnt out. I didn't have joy and a, I, my identity and worth was so wrapped up and it's hard to enjoy something when your identity relies on it. And so I did my hardest challenge yet, which was to not do an endurance feat for an entire year. And um, I, I, I recognized that I was worshiping and idolizing achievement and 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 so I pushed it away and during that time I found faith basically and because I have faith in my life it is the one reason I can go back to adventure and do it in a way where I know it's not my identity it's just it's really just what I feel called and compelled and it's an expression of joy and exploration so like I have defined certain things like, um, I mean, I, 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 on a like very basic level, like my last ultra run was 138 mile run across Maine. And like, you know, we, I did have edema and my friend who is also an ultra runner, like, okay, well, we're no, this is technically an injury are you still going to keep going? And the answer was yes, because I didn't think it would cause permanent damage. Um, and so, yeah, like the, I, I, I think that's what I kind of look for. Like, am I for, for defining what is pushing too far, but I don't, I know a lot of people have a long list of, Hey, I want to climb all these things and bike all these countries and, really i've always wanted to go around the world by human power so that's the big one that's just lingering over my head in a way that gets me excited and um eager to explore that's what it's all about <laughs> but it's, like, all, how- it's all relative to to the person i mean what excites you right yeah i mean charlie yeah. what what excites you right now like, well, I'm just, I loved Katie's answer. That was a brilliant answer, Katie. And I'm, I'm so, um, I commend you for like taking that year. And I, I think that my story is a little different in that my, my early years of running when I, when I got sober, I was 29 and I had been a runner during throughout 10 years of hardcore addiction because running was a way that I would, I'd clean up my act for a week or a month or whatever. And, and I would use running as a, as a tool to sort of cleanse and purge and make me feel better and punish myself at the same time. And like, it was very, very complicated, but I think in those first few years of sobriety, I, I ran, and I ran the first three years without taking a day off, but I also went to a recovery meeting every day. And I was really just trying to figure out more about myself and I but I also thought that what I was trying to do was purge or even like cut out the addict part of me like I thought if I just ran hard enough enough miles you know ran as as hard as I possibly could every time I went out the door that I could like taking a scalpel I could cut out that addiction part of me and it took those three years to understand that that the addict and those qualities, those obsessive qualities are all the best parts of me. And without that, I probably wouldn't be good, good at anything. And so I started to nurture addiction and my addictive qualities, almost like a superpower, but not 
I, I, you know, once I did a few really hard, long things, I realized there was never going to be enough. Like I wasn't going to finally finish one of these things. And Rob, maybe you're built differently. Uh, you know, but I wasn't going to finish one and say, okay, that's, that's enough. <laughs> but what I did figure out is that I'm not really, I'm an athlete, but what I really am is a, it's cultural exploration. I'm not interested in being a tourist and going to all the countries I haven't visited yet. I want to go on a bike or on my feet or in a boat that I'm powering. And, you know, I want to engage with cultures and, and landscapes um, in that way. And I know you guys have the, you know, you're built the same way in that sense. And I think that's what continues I to mean, drive me. Uh, I'll be honest, Charlie. I, uh, 2020, early 2020, had a giant sponsorship lined up. I was going to run across the United States. Um, mm -hmm. It was just a matter of figuring out with work how to get 60 days off. Um, it was all paid for, ready to go. It was going to be a big hoopla, and mm -hmm. COVID hit. And honestly, it was a blessing for me to find perspective where – I was putting running ahead of everything. Uh, so it was, it was like a real eye opener for me to start putting uh, family first, you know, th a lot of like one one yeah. like why would you ever go for a run ahead of this or that? Like, so um, yeah, no, I have, I, I have you. a lot of similarities. Trust me. Hey. I hear you. And I, and I think, look, we're, we're all, I think what we're exemplifying right in this moment with this part of the conversation is how personal and ever changing it is. First of all, I realized a long time ago that nobody cares. And I don't mean nobody cares about me. People care about me, but I mean, nobody cares about my running and my adventures nearly as much as I do. <laughs> because exactly. it's just this way, you know, I think for a while I thought, wow, this is great. People think I'm, people think I'm whatever. And like, then I recognized how fleeting that was. They, they might admire all of us, but they do it for a minute. And then they switch back to what we all do, which is thinking about themselves as they should. And, you know, what, what I think, and not to put words in you guys' mouths, but I, I think we all hope. And I call it attraction rather than promotion. I don't promote my lifestyle. I don't promote, I mean, I promote, I guess, to a certain degree by sharing it, if it's on social media or in a book or whatever. But I'm not trying to convince somebody else. My hope is that they see the way I live and the parts that I share and the struggles that I have. And in that, they recognize some things in themselves and they say, you know what? I do. I need to go try something that I haven't done before because comfort is so freaking overrated, overrated. It right? goes exactly. back to that Chicago marathon, like getting people off the sofa um, yep. is what I'm all about now is like change for the better. Um, yeah. Katie, how are well, you feeling for running across Ohio? It's a state that I grew up in. Um, you're running across the entire state. 11 days too. That's, is that a new record by the way, in terms of like ultras run in a row or. So it's so, like Guinness has their records and yes, it, it, it could qualify as a Guinness record, but um, there's ultra runners that do that kind of thing running across America and all the other things all the time. So it could, it could be a Guinness one, but I think, yeah, you'll both know lots of ultra runners that do things like run across America or run the AT and is not necessarily a Guinness record yeah. Yeah, because it's sense. Like documented to, and there is a lot. Um, I am going through the process of submitting it mainly just because it's for a charity. Like if, if I didn't have the need for that, then you know, and, and the value of that for the cause, then there's, you know what I mean? If it was just like a, sh a sheer, a purely personal journey, but it, it's, it's definitely intended for a, a bigger purpose. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited because 
I was originally planning on doing this and then COVID. So that's why I ran across Maine last year. Okay. Instead. So it's nice to kind of go back to the original, the original plan. And it's definitely incorporating layers that I've never had before with like there is a filmmaker coming and joining along the journey and there will be in Cincinnati, Columbus and Cleveland, an opportunity for people to do the first 5k. And so I think it's just kind of fun to try doing things a little bit differently than I've ever really done before. So I mean, yeah, running is is a tool for many more things than just running, whether it's fundraising or meeting cool people or seeing new things. And um, I think it's just so much unexplored um, territory for me. Uh, I will say that I was trying to do the splits a little too aggressively, and so my hamstring is um i mean my my pt says he thinks it'll be fine and i'm i'm still running right now but that is keeping me on my toes just like having a little uh because of course you want to come to it with absolutely nothing but the reality is we're always managing something and so yeah (laughs) no i totally agree i mean And that's something I think that's underappreciated is you have put yourself out there to raise money for your cause. And uh, there's a lot of added pressure. Like Charlie had news. You'll have news crews too, Katie. Are you doing like Good Morning America with this or anything to that effect? I have no idea. It's it's there's like local Ohio TV, but I I don't know about that. I have a, a. a newscaster friend from Columbus who's an ultra runner. I should uh, oh. introduce you guys, but yeah, Charlie had news crews pretty much everywhere he goes. Like there's so much added pressure to perform. Um, and at least for me, I'm, I'm not a professional athlete. Like I do this for fun. Um, but, but I got a taste of that pressure that you guys are under. And it's like, Good Lord, like it's you're already putting your body under tremendous amounts of stress and then just throwing on interviews and all kinds of extras. It's just crazy to me um, that you get anything done. But we could talk about either of you guys and all the things that you've done. I want to try to synthesize it down into one or two kind of like oddball questions for both of you. Katie, I want to hear the lowest moment during an endurance feat that you've been under? Like, was it in a boat? Was it yeah. on feet? Was it okay, I have on two. a bike? And then I want to hear the highest too. Okay. Um, so I think you both might kind of relate to the feeling that halfway point is like, Oh, I'm close to the end to the start. Like, uh, it's like a, a confidence boost when you're at the ha- halfway point. Um, and when I was rowing across the Atlantic, I reached the halfway point and doing athletic things, you know, that sleep is so important. And I didn't know how bad the quality of sleep was. And so I never slept for more than two or three hours because it's constantly being hit by waves. And I had sleep medicine, but it ran out by the halfway point. So I reached this halfway point and all of a sudden the ocean felt even bigger and I was feeling like I already gave everything I had to get to this moment. I can't imagine doing that again. Like there's no way that. And so that's when I really, I mean, I was like, I can't do 3000, but I'll do one 3000 times. And that was the way I started to look at it that I'm, I, I couldn't look at big numbers. I couldn't even look at the the GPS. It was just, I'm going to listen to this song. I'm going to. And so that, th- that adventure definitely took 10 minutes at a time or an hour at a time during certain, you know, moments of that. But I think that was my, my lowest. And then another. You ever have just a fish just jump out of the water and smack you in the face or anything? Yeah. I I can just imagine like being in the bottom of the boat after getting 
clobbered by a salmon or whatever mackerel, <laughs> just just like laying there bonking um, and then knocked out by a fish or whatever. They were flying fish all the time, and especially at night, they were really active. So oh God! Side of my cabin, but I I wouldn't consider that a low moment. I would consider that a high moment because. It's like, <laughs> That's how bad it is rowing across an ocean, <laughs> getting smacked, bar- like barely comprehending what's going on, fish knocking you out, and that's that's a high. <laughs> it's like it could get boring out there. Like I, it could get exciting, but a lot of times it's really boring. It's like the same thing, looking at the same thing, doing the same thing. It could get really exciting, but it could be. I think that's also with ultra running. It could get boring. Um, But a high moment was also, I mean, I'm also thinking about my, my, the last big ultra run. Um, I was on the side of the road, ripping up grass and throwing it in the air because I was so angry because someone told me it was like two extra miles. Like there were five more miles, (laughs) three. And I was like, no. And I originally was going to change it to a different city. So it would only be 130 miles instead of 137. So the extra two miles when I had edema and I was just, my friend knew that I just needed my moment to be, have my temper tantrum. But I'm thinking of Charlie, like, it was at the end of running the Sahara where you were off by like 20 miles. I forget what city you were running through. Yeah. Well, wasn't it you're off by like some obscene amount? Yeah, totally. And, and it was, it, Katie made me very, <laughs> I, I so was daydreaming and listening to Katie and, and looking back at those moments. I can also only imagine what it's like to be kind of so lonely and, and alone that the fish actually make you feel uh, welcome. But uh, yeah, it's, it's funny too. I was, li- you know, yeah, the Sahara, I've got so many low points. <laughs> I couldn't pick one. But Are they all Sahara related though? No, no, they're okay. all over the place, man. I mean, I, I, you know, I ran 70 miles a day across the United States trying to, you know, trying to set a new transcon record. And I had so many injuries that I, I finally had to stop after about 20 days. And, um, and it was a horrible, very, you know, public failure is what it felt like. And, um, it was just really, it was really difficult, but the, the lowest moment, and this is a, this would be a weird answer to a lot of people, is that um, when I finished running across the Sahara, I mean, I ran 250 miles a day for 111 consecutive days. And, and the saddest day that I maybe ever had in sport was the day that it was over because it's such mm-hmm. a, and you know, and again, I would, I would assume Katie, not to put words in your mouth, but I would assume that finishing the row of course brought relief it brought a lot of emotions and whatever but um nowhere near the emotions that you kind of have while you are in fact on the journey at least not you know that's what i found and i was very sad when it was over i was certainly relieved that i was successful but it was it was actually a tough one and my highest it's funny i learned uh, I've learned to try to trust the first thing that pops into my head. And what popped into my head was Badwater. What's funny is I don't even remember what year it was. I think it was 2009. So Badwater 2009, there's a section between mile 90, which is at Darwin in Death Valley, to Lone Pine, which is at mile 122. So it's 32 miles. Brutal. You've already run 90 oh. miles across <laughs> Death Valley. It's the, it's the most, like, it's the crux of the race, really. And I have never felt better in a race than I felt during that 32-mile section. And I, I'm a very methodical runner. You know, I know better than to go fast early. And, you know, I was probably 15th place at, at mile 90. And, you know, I was, I think I was third that year at the finish line. And it's because Jeez. that section... I just passed person after person and I was so joyous and my body was working and my mind was engaged and like it, you know, and 
all all of us know when you as you do this long and often enough, you know that doesn't happen nearly often enough. Um, but you know, but it will happen, and if you pay attention, it can be uh, it can be really amazing. So it's not some it wasn't some huge accomplishment that I had. It was just those moments of being by myself out there in Death Valley and like just really feeling good at a time in a, in a race that I would normally feel like crap. I mean, I just, I'm bummed out that we didn't have better coverage of races. I mean, it, it feels like that Michael Jordan moment where you're just in the zone doing something <laughs> amazing in a big event, but there's, you know, ultra running endurance sports don't get coverage very much. Um, I got two last questions. I'm going to throw it at both of you. I know we're running short on time. I appreciate both you guys taking so much time here. Um, I want to hear Katie wild animal experiences. It sounds like the fish moment was the high, which I'm still, I'm so glad that I asked about Well, the fish hitting you in the face is the high moment of rowing across the Atlantic. Um, are better, but yes, (laughs) any any interaction with the wildlife. So, but craziest wildlife experience and then craziest hallucination story. And oh. uh, I can't wait to hear both you guys on that. Um, the row, uh, there was, um, I didn't know about glowing plankton, but it was a phosphorescence in the water that would gl- glow with movement. So all around my boat, every time I put the oar stroke in the water, it would look like glitter or like just lighting up the the water around my boat and so any of the the phosphorescence during my row and then add some su- some shooting stars and like i don't know it's indescribable how beautiful the night was on water and having like the moon hit hit the water and uh, yeah so i mean was- life of pie moment yeah kind of like except you actually experienced it yeah and then the giant yeah. stingray <laughs> and then or whale i can't remember what was your other question hallucinations, hallucinations. You, you didn't hallucinate at all you just rode across an ocean biked across the country well i i didn't actually hallucinate for any of them except for an ultra run and it was just that i saw a, che- a cheetah in the woods and that was it so I, I don't have a oh lot of gosh. hallucinations, fortunately. Are you surprised at that, Charlie? I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, just keep, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it, Katie. You'll get to that. <laughs> Pick another that. ocean or continent. I think it takes me at least 50 miles before I get to the, to the point of making myself eligible for hallucinations. But I, I'm, I'm actually really, I love my hallucinations because they, Strangely, they usually involve me seeing faces and people on the side of the road, like bushes, like uh, my mom passed a few years ago. And I, I very commonly, even when she was still alive, I would actually see my mother like on the side of, of roads in the shade, especially at dusk or at night when you're just seeing shapes. And, you know, I welcomed it. I not just because it was my mom, but I just like the uh, I like that that zone that you get into. And I mean, there's a lot of science around it that we don't have time to go into right now. But it's actually pretty fascinating, you know, what happens to the mind uh, and how if you sort of you know nurture that a little bit, uh, it it will. You don't even need to take you know psilocybin or, or any mushrooms or anything, but. Uh, the wildlife. You asked about wildlife. I, I'll leave. I'll finish with this. So, I, first thing that popped into my head, I was doing a a seven day race across Costa Rica years ago, and there was a section on the beach or where there was a river like that was dumping into the ocean, and we weren't allowed. Like we had to take a boat uh, across, and there was a guy there waiting to paddle paddle us across, but it would it could only hold one person, and I got into a basically a sprint race with like a you know a potato farmer from costa rica who was just kicking my ass and he he beat me to the boat and i was like in second or third place in the race so we were you know we were battling it out overall and and uh, he got to the boat first and he got in and i just without thinking i just dove into the water and it was about 
you know, 20 meters across and a strong current and I'm, I'm swimming behind the boat and the guy in the boat's yelling at me and I, I get out on the other side and I look behind me and there's like half a dozen little crocodiles uh, that are, were just like quite literally nipping at my heels as I climbed out of the water. And um, I, I had to beg not to be disqualified from the race because they, I'm like, well, you should have told me why I wasn't supposed to swim across that. <laughs> But so anyway, that's one of uh, one of many wildlife encounters that are are memorable. So, well, let's let's all stay in touch. I want to we should just make this a monthly uh, update. The three of us here. Like, I really, really enjoyed speaking with both of you. Um, I will leave in the show notes where to follow Katie's upcoming charity run across Ohio um, you guys mostly, you probably already read Charlie's book or Katie's book, but I, I in the show notes, I will uh, leave where to follow these guys on social media. Appreciate your time, guys. I, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. You guys are my Me- people. <laughs> uh, exactly. Me too. I can't wait to follow you, Katie. I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on you. I'll send you some, uh, some love and energy while you're out there. So and, thank you and- so much. Look out for anybody that's uh, look out for stray beer bottles uh, in Ohio. But uh, <laughs> you're hopefully people will know, you know, that that they don't need to do that to you. So I, I look forward to following, though. I know it'll be great. And I wish you the best of luck. Oh, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, guys. All right, Rob. Take care, buddy. And that was episode 169. Big thank you to Charlie for taking so much of his time. Katie for taking so much of her time. We'll have her back on for another episode here soon. But just really appreciate you guys. Appreciate you Patreon supporters. Big shout out to Exoskin. And yeah, just most importantly this week, don't forget to enjoy your training. I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks. Thanks.